0: Right, You know, I had this uh, thought the other day. Uh, I heard about it, heard this thought. Somebody put it this way, that uh, whatever you're going through in life right now, whatever season you're in in life right now, it's just a chapter. It's a chapter. It's not the whole book. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. The book's not finished yet. Um, It would be weird if we took a book off the shelf and just read one chapter and tried to get the whole feel for the whole story out of just one chapter. Wouldn't make sense, would it? But a lot of times we can feel like what we're in right now is everything and forever. I had a chance, uh, we we got away uh, a couple weeks ago and and had a chance to read a whole book. I don't know how, any of you guys, uh, when you get time just to read a whole book at once, right? And uh, I'm a a history nerd, total history nerd, so I, I had this great book, it's a World War II it's a true story about the, the first Army Ranger unit, and uh, it was an amazing book. i gotta, I got to finish the whole thing. But, you know, there were certain chapters that I read in that book that if I would have just stopped there, it looked like we lost. Yeah. If I would have just stopped there, it looked like we lost the whole war. But thankfully, I finished out the book, and guess what? We won. Yeah. <laughs> we won. Or how about this? You ever look at somebody's life and say, man, I wish I could have what they've got? I wish I could have the job that he's got. I wish I could have the family that she's got. I mean, I wish I could have the marriage that they've got. And, you know, we, we, we look at people and we want kind of what they've got. Or I'll, I'll just be honest about, sometimes I'll look at another pastor and say, man, I, I wish I could be like him. I wish I could be like her. I mean, look at that amazing influence. Look at that amazing church they're a part of. And just like that, a lot of times, we're looking at someone's chapter. We're not looking at the whole thing. We're looking at a piece of their life. You may look at the current chapter and say, I want that, but you haven't read the previous chapters in their life that might be entitled Private Sacrifice, or maybe Overcoming Insecurities, or maybe you might not see the chapter that was titled Heartbreaking Loss. Or the chapter that said, My spiritual doubts. We got to be careful when we we look at one person, we look at one thing, or even in our own lives and we're judging everything. And this is just a chapter, it's not the whole story. And today I want to go back and show you from one of the chapters in Ruth, the book of Ruth, and some principles. And today I really want to focus on the fact that the decisions that you make today will determine the story that you tell tomorrow. The decisions that you make today will determine the story you tell tomorrow. We're going to talk about choosing your next chapter. Now, we took a couple weeks break because we were in the book of Ruth for a couple weeks, and then we took a couple weeks off, and so we're going to dive back in. For those of you that might be new with us today, let me give you a little recap of uh, looking at the book of Ruth. It's in the context of Ruth. It's, It's... in the Old Testament, and just a quick summary, the book of Ruth is is one of uh, two books that was named after women in the Old Testament, Esther and Ruth. Ruth is the only book that was named after a Gentile, which is interesting, probably most likely written by the prophet Samuel, and it's written in the time of the Judges, The time of the judges was right before the kings came about, King Saul, King David, Solomon, all those. And it was a time where people kind of did whatever they thought was right to do in their own eyes. And the story tells us about a Hebrew family that lived in Bethlehem. And this family, because of a famine in the land, they moved or relocated to Moab. Moab is another land. It was a sinful country. It was one that God said, I don't want you to be a part of it, but... A man by the name of Elimelech and his wife Naomi and their two sons move to Moab trying to find a better life, but things don't go well. Elimelech ends up dying, and Naomi is now a widow, and her two sons marry Moabite women, and then they end up dying so that Naomi is left not only with herself, but she has two foreign daughter-in-laws that are both widows. Difficult, difficult, difficult. And what we find is she decides to go back to Bethlehem after 10 years and gonna try this again and her two daughter-in-laws start to come with her but one decides not to come but Ruth is the one that will not leave her. She says, I not only wanna follow you, but i want to convert, I wanna become a follower of the one true God. And so they come back from Moab without many resources, without much hope really, And Ruth begins to work. And instead of doing like what a lot of younger widows do by either ending up in prostitution or begging, she decides she wants to go to work. And so she goes and begins to glean in the fields around there. That was something that was set up that God said, hey, when you have a field and you harvest it, leave some on the edges for those that are needy. It was kind of the a way to, to take care of the, the outcasts, the orphans, those that were in need. And so she went to work and she began to glean in the field and it was owned by a man named Boaz. The Bible says it just so happens, if you missed the first couple weeks, take a look, that's a key phrase in there, just so happens that she began to glean in this field. Boaz was a man of standing. And Boaz meets Ruth and he admires her character and her integrity. He's heard about her work ethic, and they have a little sit-down lunch. They have a little quick meet. They have a little—it's uh, just lunch kind of thing. Sparks fly. They kind of—I mm, don't know what happens. But after lunch, he goes back, and Boaz gets busy, and he kind of forgets about it. And so, with a little encouragement from her mother-in-law, the story goes that she goes and she basically lets. Boaz, no, if you're interested, I'm interested. Nothing immoral happens here, but the Bible says she goes in while he's sleeping and uncovers his feet, and, you know, men hate cold feet. So, uh, so he awakens, and like I said, nothing immoral happens, but it was just a sign to say, hey, if you're interested, I'm interested, because he was what was called the kinsman, kinsman redeemer. It's an interesting, interesting phrase that we see in the Old Testament. We don't think about that much. But a kinsman redeemer was a family member who would protect a widow and provide for that widow. If a family member's the closest to the dead husband would step into this very important role and he would help make sure that she was cared for and that her husband's property was protected to be saved so it could be passed on to his children or the children of the kinsman redeemer. And so it was this that Boaz was. He was her kinsman redeemer. And so he wants to help. He wants to step into this role. He said, I'm going to do this, but there's a slight problem because he knows the family line and he knows where Ruth's former husband was. And he said, there's somebody that's closer to him than me and we've got to check with him first. I've got to go find this guy. I've got to work out a deal and I've got to find out how we're going to make this work. And... To make this happen, we're going to see three things in this chapter right here that needed to take place. And what he needed was the providence of God, strategic planning, and powerful prayers. So let's start off with the providence of God. Let's start with that one. What is the providence of God? Well, we've defined it in the last message we did. The providence of God is whenever God uses natural circumstances to bring about supernatural will his supernatural will. And because when you look at the book of Ruth, oddly, there's no, there's no overt miracles, we don't see any parting of the Red Sea. We don't see any blind eyes opened or anything, but we do see the providence of God moving through natural circumstances to bring about his will, to bring about his will. And so in chapter four of Ruth, chapter four, verse one, it says this, Boaz went to the town gate and took the seat there, just then, the family redeemer he had mentioned came by. So Boaz called out to him. He said, come over here and sit down, friend. I want to talk to you. Now, what's the deal with going to the town gate? The town gate is where business deals were done. The town gate is where you would meet and you would negotiate deals. If you had a business with someone, that's where you would meet. That's where the elders would gather. And so Boaz goes there and he's gonna negotiate this deal. It's interesting, and he calls him friend, but that's a very loose translation. Really, the literal translation of this guy's name is Mr. No Name. Yeah, one translation calls him John Doe. Samuel, for whatever reason, doesn't even wanna mention this guy's name, and I think you're gonna understand in a minute when we finish this out, but he says to Mr. No Name, he goes to the front to the the town gate, and it just so happens that the relative that's closer to him just happens to go by. Isn't it interesting? We're talking about, it's not coincidence. It's a providence of God, exact timing. Just so happens, and God is using these natural circumstances to bring about his supernatural will. We need the providence of God in our life. And if you look back on your life and if you look at circumstances in your life, many times you're going to see, like, oh, I see where God was working there. And in the Hebrew language, the the providence of God, it's on the screen right there. I'm going to butcher it. It's Hashgacha Pratis. And listen, I didn't take Hebrew in college. I did take Greek in college at George Fox University, in fact. And I learned about Greek. And I don't know anything. I have a Greek New Testament. But I do know that when we dissected that, it's really, easy, it's really interesting to bring out the, the, the original language and the original meaning, but, and, and so much more so in the Hebrew, because this would be written in the Hebrew language. And what you got to notice here is that the Hebrew language, you read it backwards. You don't read left to right like Americans and English do. You read it right to left. And you know what? Let me just tell you this. The providence of God is like reading Hebrew. It's best understood when we read it backwards. It's best understood when we read it backwards, when we look back. The circumstance that you didn't realize is gonna bring about God's will. There's times in our lives where we can look back. I'll give you a personal example from my own life. And as I look back on my life, and I'm getting old enough to where there's a lot of life to look back on, and uh, I start looking back, and... I realized when I was a sophomore in high school, all of a sudden I had this desire to go to a private Christian school in Southern Oregon. I really wanted to go. Also, I just really wanted to go. And what was interesting is that my mother had gone to that school, my sisters had gone to that school. And but there was a Christian school in our own church, so it's gonna be a little awkward. I remember talking to my dad about it, and he said, Well, Listen, it's more expensive than where you're going now, and so if you can get a scholarship, you can go, but it's gonna be up to you. And so I began to pray as a sophomore in high school, God, give me a way to get to this school. I don't know how to get to this school. That very week, the president of that school ended up in our town, visiting mutual friends and visiting my parents. Just so happened. He had never visited before, and to my knowledge, they never visited since. But here they were. I was about ready to write a letter asking for a scholarship, and here he was. I was in the same living room as the gentleman and was able to pitch it myself face-to-face. Hey, I want a scholarship. I want to come to your school. And interestingly, it worked out. I went to the school, had a great experience, and I got to play basketball on a basketball team. The older I get, the better I was, and (laughs) we had a tournament, a Christmas tournament, where we drove up from... We were south of Roseburg, drove up to Portland for a Christmas tournament, and we stopped at George Fox University and used their facilities as a practice facility. My coach and his wife were both George Fox graduates and told us all about the school. It's the first time I was ever on the campus, and here we were playing basketball, and I learned about George Fox. Well, I go on with my little life. I graduate, uh, kind of cum laude, and... Uh, For those of you that know what that's about. Anyway, anyway, I graduated from high school. I was the top of the bottom half of my class. And uh, I can keep going if you want to participate. So I graduated from high school and I go to college. My second year of college in Seattle, Washington. Seattle gets expensive. And like where else can I go? My... Freshman year roommate says, hey, guess what? I'm transferring down to George Fox. You ever heard of that school? Why, yes, I have. Strangely enough, I've been on that campus. So I came down, God opened all kinds of doors, and I end up in Newburgh, Oregon. And I decide to get involved in the local Assemblies of God church. You guessed it, it's this one. And then I end up as the youth pastor right after I graduate. And a couple years later, I moved back to Idaho, where I was Raised And for 13 years, I spent in Idaho, and then someone that I had built a relationship with in this church 13 years later calls me and said, hey, why don't you put your resume in for our pastor position that's just opened? What he didn't realize is for that whole 13 years, in my heart of hearts, I always said there's only one church I'd ever want to pastor, and it's in Newburgh, Oregon. But I live in Idaho. How would I ever get back there? Isn't that interesting? It's like Hebrew, I read it backwards and I see God's hand. Just so happens that I end up at a school, just so happens that I end up with a coach and the provincial will of God is like reading Hebrew, reading it backwards. And if you look at Ruth, we're gonna see and we're gonna find this in chapter four that she gets really blessed by connecting with Boaz. But you have to remember that it's not like some of her previous chapters, because this is just one sliver of her life. You've got to realize that other chapters in Ruth's life, she could have thought, this is going to be my story forever, because one of her chapters said, suddenly and tragically widowed. One of her chapters says, stepping out in faith and leaving Moab. One of her chapters could have said, broke and broken in Bethlehem. And if you find yourself, like many times I do, man, I want a better chapter, we've got to look at the providence of God, his hand. There are no random acts. You're not in the final chapter. This is not the whole story. This is a sliver. So we need the providence of God. The second thing we need is plans, and what I call strategic plans. Here's what I love about this story is that Boaz, he's not a pastor. He's not a prophet. He's just a good businessman. You can see that he's a good businessman by the way he treats his employees. The fact that he was an upstanding man. And this all is set in motions, not in a Bible study or on a missions trip. This all gets set in motion in just a business deal. And he goes to the city gate and Boaz calls together 10 business leaders and says, I want you to witness what's happening here. And Mr. No Name, or John Doe, happens to be there. And in chapter, or in verse four, in chapter four, it says, if you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. He's talking to Mr. No Name here. But if you don't want it, let me know right away because I am next in line to redeem it after you. And the man said, all right, I'll redeem it. He wants the land, why? Because it's pennies on the dollar. This is a great day, I'm gonna gain some land. But then Boaz says, oh, and by the way, the land comes with something else, (laughs) two widows. Yeah, one's a Moabite and one's a cranky (laughs) mother-in-law. True story. Boaz says, oh, of course, the purchase of land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow, that she might have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. And you know what John Doe says? This is why Samuel doesn't even give him a name because he says, whoa, 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 back up. I don't want that kind of deal. He says, I can't redeem it because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem it, I can't do it. What John Doe was titling his chapter as a bad investment, Boaz titled his chapter a legacy opportunity. Boaz called this, this is an opportunity, and Boaz had the insight that John Doe never had, and he had a plan, and he wanted to work that plan. And it's so interesting to note that we have seen this in chapter 2, but so much of the story, there's no plan taking place. Elimelech and Naomi, they leave Bethlehem, and they go to Moab. They don't have a plan because it doesn't end well. Elimelech ends up dying. Both, his husband, both her sons end up dying. They didn't have a plan. Ruth's own husband, he didn't leave anything for her. John Doe, he couldn't see anything past today. He didn't have a plan. And you know, one of the most spiritual things you can do sometimes is just have a plan. Have a plan. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Proverbs 21 5. And that hurts because I have lived this, the second part of this. Hello? So, what's your plan? Well, man, our marriage is struggling. What's the plan? Are we going to get the counseling we need? Are we going to spend the time and focus on making it? What's the plan? Our financers in trouble. What's the plan? Or my health is what's the plan? The decisions you make today determine the story that you're gonna tell tomorrow. And Boaz worked the plan. He ends up buying the land. He becomes the kinsman redeemer. And in verse 10 it says, And with the land I have acquired Ruth. He's talking to the, the business leaders at the gate still, the Boabite widow of Malon, to be his wife. THIS WAY SHE CAN HAVE A SON TO CARRY ON THE FAMILY NAME OF HER DEAD HUSBAND AND TO INHERIT THE FAMILY PROPERTY HERE IN HIS HOMETOWN. YOU ARE ALL WITNESSES TODAY. BOAZ IS JOINING HIS CHAPTER WITH RUTH'S CHAPTER. AND LOOK WHAT HAPPENS, IT CREATES A GOD CHAPTER. IT'S THE PROVIDENCE OF GOD. IT'S THE PLANNING. And together, those two things with the last thing I want to talk to you about, powerful, faith-filled prayers. If you go through this book, you're going to see prayer after prayer after prayer. Powerful, very short prayers. Sometimes you say, how long do my prayers have to be? doesn't have to be that long. One of my best prayers, God help. <laughs> I stretch it out and make it really long so God help me, right? If you look through the book of Ruth, you're going to see faith-filled prayers, Naomi prayed over Ruth in chapter, in the first chapter, May the Lord give you a husband. That was a good prayer. And Ruth prayed over Naomi when she said, May the Lord deal with me if I ever leave you. I am not going to leave you. And Boaz prayed prayers over. Over them when she said, he said, may the Lord bless you. And the workers prayed short prayers saying, may the Lord bless you. And Boaz prayed again, may the Lord repay you and bless you. Talking about what Ruth had done for her mother-in-law. And then Ruth prayed back and said, may I continue to find favor in your eyes. And Naomi prayed over Ruth again and said, may the Lord bless the man who has blessed you. Short prayers, powerful Prayers. And then the elders of all the people standing at the gate replied, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you prosper in Ephrath and be famous in Bethlehem. Isn't that interesting? If you are with us the first week, we find out that Moab is all the wrong place. And the Moabites are not the right kind of people. They're literally uh, the, the prodigies and the projects of incest. And God said, I don't want you to go to Moab. I don't want you to have anything to do. But this woman, Ruth, from Moab, said, you know what? I want to serve the one true God. I want to know the God of your people. I want your God to become my God. And listen to this prayer. You talk about a powerful prayer. May the Lord make this woman, Ruth, a Moabite woman who turned to the God of Israel. May he make her like the women of the nation of Israel? May you become famous in Bethlehem? I don't know about you, but it just so happens we know somebody else that was famous from Bethlehem, don't we? His name was Jesus. And he's all over this book, he's all through this story if you can see the providential power of God, if you can see the strategic planning and the faithful prayers of people. Remember, providence is like reading Hebrew. You gotta look backwards. I love looking at the story of Jesus, but if if you stop for a moment and look at the story of Jesus backwards, what's the story of Jesus? The story of Jesus is the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him might have eternal life. You don't have to perish. You can have eternal life because of his sacrifice. And Jesus, who came and lived a sinless life on earth and taught his disciples about the kingdom and healed the sick and established the church, a church that the gates of hell couldn't even overcome. He was arrested and he was convicted by the religious leaders and he was crucified on the cross, literally paying the price for our sin. And he was in the grave for three days and then came to life and is in heaven now and prays for us and he's going to come again. But what if we read that story backwards? Before Jesus prayed, it is finished. Before Jesus says, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Before Jesus died, before he was fulfilling God's plan. Second Timothy 1.9 says this, for God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this, not because we deserve it, but because that was God's plan before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ. So Jesus born without sin, right? He's born in the Virgin Mary. And if we look back in the providence of God, we see that Mary gave birth to Jesus who was called the Messiah. But where did that come from? Mary was engaged to what? A man named Joseph, whose father was Jacob. And if you look at Matthew chapter 1, you see the lineage of Jesus. And we look at things that Joseph, who came from Jacob, and his father's name was Matthew. And his father's name was Eleazar. And his father's name was Elud. And his father's name was Achim. His father's name was Zodok and Azor and Eliakim and his father's name was Zerubbabel. That's a good one. And his father's name was Shalitel, and his father's name was Jehoiakim, and his father's name was Jehoiakah, and his father's name was Josiah, and his father's name was Ammon, and his father's name was Manasseh, and his father's name was Hezekiah, who came from Ahaz, who came from Jotham, who came from Uzziah, who came from Jehoram who came from Jehoshaphat, who came from Asa, who came from Abijah, who came from Rehoboam, who came from Solomon, who came from David, who came from Jesse, who came from a man named Obed, who just happened to be the baby boy of Boaz and Ruth. When you look backwards, you see the providential will. God was up to something. He took somebody that had no business being there and put her right in the middle of the chapter and brought the very plan of Jesus. Jesus working every single moment, pointing towards your opportunity that we celebrated today. We celebrated communion saying, the work of Jesus that was done in my life was put into plan. Listen, whatever chapter you're in, Let me just tell you, God is in that chapter with you, even though you might feel very alone. He's still working. It's not the whole story. God's providence through his plan and through the prayers of his saints, God offers us salvation, not because we deserve it, but because it was his plan from the beginning. So when you think about your next chapter. I'd kind of like to be in 2024. I'd kind of like to open a new chapter in the book of my life. I want a fresh chapter. I'm going to need the providential hand of God. I'm going to need some plans being put into place. I'm going to need to pray some powerful prayers. I'm going to need God working in and through my story. I'm going to have to let God direct my steps. And we need to pray God, we need your guidance. We need your power. We need your wisdom. And all together, God's going to help us open up a fresh chapter. And we see this here in Providence and planning and prayer. And we see God take somebody that shouldn't be there, that doesn't deserve it, and puts it right in the middle of the whole story of eternity. I got a. That's your story. That's my story. I got no business being here. God took me and put me right in the middle of the story of eternity. I might be living a chapter that I don't understand at this moment, but this story's not done yet. I might feel like I lost the battle, but guess what? At the end of the, at the end of the book, we win the war. Hello. That's what we learn. That's what we receive. That's what. We learn from this little book called Ruth. This woman that took incredible chances and stepped out and allowed God to use her in incredible ways. Would you pray with me today? Jesus, thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, that we can look back and trace the hand of God all the way through. Random acts, it seems like, but there are no random acts. There are no random decisions. There are no random people showing up when they shouldn't show up. There are no random opportunities to experience certain things that come full circle and realize that that was your plan all along. And God, I pray for those in this room, those that are listening online right now that might feel like that their story right now is a cul-de-sac, and they keep going around and around and around. Or maybe they feel like they wish they were somebody else or live in somebody else's story, but God, you have a fresh chapter. You have something new if we lean into you, if we put our life into the hands of your providential power and and we're willing to, to plan and pray and to say courageous prayers like, God, use me. God, change me. Maybe the most courageous Prayer, God, forgive me, change my life. God, help me to line up with what you want. Help me to see your story in my story. Thank you that the book is not finished. And there'll be a day, one day, when I can look back and see. But right now, in faith, God, help us to lean into your story. In Jesus' name. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus today. I just want to encourage you. It's it's significant. It's important. And I'm not going to say it's easy. It's never easy to say, I want to turn my will and my life over to God. I'd like to say that once you come to Jesus, all your problems go away, and you immediately start a new chapter, and, and it's all beautiful and sunshine. But That's not accurate. Sometimes coming to Jesus makes your life a little bit more difficult, but here's what I can tell you. You'll never be alone. He's gonna be with you, and it's God who says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. It's God who said, even though your mother might forget you, I will never forget you. It's God who said, I've got your name carved in the palm of my hand. I've got a plan for not only you, but for your story. Because I'm going to blend it with my story, God says. And it's going to be a powerful thing that you won't believe the ending. Father, I pray for those that are saying courageous prayers right now. Maybe it's just short prayers. God, help. God, forgive me. God, honor those prayers today. God, for other of us today that just might not understand the chapter, God, I pray that you would give us the faith to see that you're the one that finishes the book, that you're the one with the pen in his hand, And God, I pray that you would continue to write our story and help us to see your hand, your powerful hand through it and help us to be grateful for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Wow, one more week in Ruth and uh, she's quite the lady and Boaz is quite the guy and I love learning from it. I love learning from it. I love seeing how it's right where I need to be. Sometimes, I'm just gonna preach myself a sermon and you guys can just listen in. Isn't that good? Yeah. I'm gonna invite a couple of the board members to come right now. They've told me to do this, so I gotta obey them. And
1: uh... Always so obedient. Appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> um, I don't know if you all know, but uh, just a month ago, Pastor Dave celebrated his 20th year of being the pastor here at Family Life Church. (laughs) I I don't wanna take up uh, too much time, which that's always a dangerous famous last words, (laughs) but I really do wanna appreciate, take some time to appreciate this moment and to really honor Mm -hmm. Pastor Dave. Um, I love, that message was incredible. Um, talking about <clears throat> you know, God's providence and his strategic plan. <laughs> but I, don't, I, I know I speak for everyone in this, in this room that I'm glad that it just so happened mm. that God mm. brought you to this, this community. Mm. And um, I, it just so happened that God brought my family here about 11, 12 years ago. Yeah. And uh, the timing and the planning was incredible. <laughs> Lisa was just about to get her cancer diagnosis. Mm. And just the love and the care that this church family Mm. poured out into us in our lives was such a, uh, his DNA was just all over this church. And Mm. I'm just so grateful that God has just blessed you with a ministry of care. Mm. Just the care and the love that you have for God's people, for this community. Um, I have no doubt that in 20 years, you've probably had a couple of chapters titled, God, did it just so happen that I'm gonna go somewhere else, or (laughs) those people could leave, or? (laughs) I have no doubt. But your faithfulness and your commitment to this church and this community is just a legacy that will live on. And um, you're not dying, you're not going anywhere yet, hopefully. (laughs) But we want to pray for you and honor you and um, just. Uh, <laughs> oh, Sandy, can you come up here too? I'm sorry. Come on up. Yes, come on up, please. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you only... are a critical part of this whole thing, too. But God, I just uh, thank you, God. I just thank you so much for this couple. Thank you, God. God, just pour out an incredible measure of your grace on them and, there, and strength to get through those chapters that we'd rather not, that we'd like to skip to the end of. Yes, God. And God, just the grace to give thanks in those chapters where you just go, wow. Thank you for the victory. Thank you for the blessing. Thank you for what you've done. God, I just know there is going to be a line miles long of people that will come up to Pastor Dave in heaven and thank him for the ministry and the faithfulness, God. And Lord, I just know you have many more years of service for him and blessings that you're going to pour out through him. And God, I just pray as a church family that we would continue to pray for Dave and Sandy, to bless them, to encourage them, to always look for opportunities to let them know just what they mean to us, and for how grateful we are that they said yes, Lord, we will serve, we will be a light in this community. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you so much. So we just want to give them a, a card and a gift, and oh. if you want to just show them your appreciation as well, you're welcome to. You can you. Uh, drop like a, an offering at the at the connect desk after service, and we just. Uh, Thank you so
0: Wow, thank right, you so much thank you so much. <laughs> it. And, uh, yeah. <clears throat> The amazing thing is I was ten years old when I got here and, uh, <laughs> It was a powerful thing that uh, I just lied. Would you stand with me today? Thank you so much That was uh, amazing and so appreciated There's a prayer wall on the left hand side of the room if If uh, we can pray with you before you go today, there'll be people that love Jesus and would love to pray with you at that wall, so don't miss that. But uh, this is the privilege that I get to say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his countenance on your life and give you peace. In Jesus' name, God bless you today. Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org, or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.